Back at the academy, my dream was to be a captain. I modeled myself after this perfect friend. Sito was everything I wanted to be. I mean, she made some mistakes, but she rallied. She graduated ahead of me and was stationed on the Enterprise. The Enterprise? I have heard tales of its triumphs. Oh yeah, so did she. And it got her murdered by Cardassians. She didn't sign up to be a spy. She, she, she wanted to explore. She, it destroyed me. Dodge Garnick and with me, stuck in the knife rain, are Reed Dressler and Emily Bowen Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we'll be sharing a recap of the ninth episode of season four of Star Trek Lower Decks, The Inner Fight. If you are interested in this podcast, please follow us on social media at Strange New Takes. We're found on Facebook, Instagram. Tell your friends about us and this pod. And give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And as usual, make sure you listen. Well, no, don't, don't make sure you listen to the podcast before you watch the episode. Quite the opposite. Watch the episode, <laughs> then listen to the podcast. Because <laughs> we'll spoil the episode. The episode won't spoil the podcast yet. We're working on that. Hopefully someday Star Trek will spoil the podcast. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, so we don't want you to get spoiled. So, so don't get spoiled. All right. <laughs> Well, as Emily was telling us before, today we're talking about the ninth episode of the fourth season of Star Trek Lower Decks. It's called The Inner Fight. First aired on the 26th of October, 2023. It was written by Mike McMahon, series creator and executive producer. It was directed by Brandon Williams. And it occurred on a start date that is not specified in the episode. Here's the episode summary for Memory Alpha. Captain Freeman assigns the Lower Deckers an overly safe mission to try and keep a self-destructive Mariner out of danger. All right, we always start with our strange new takes, a crew. Which of you has a strange new take for me? You know, I've discovered there really is something to the whole notion of cluttered space, cluttered mind, or, you know, like if your house is a mess or your office is a mess, that might not contribute to a more settled state of mind. So I decided I would just tackle at least my bedroom. And, mm-hmm. you know, I do feel a little better now that... And, and if anyone else was to walk into my bedroom, they'd be like, you think this is clean? <laughs> but you know what? The surfaces are dusted and vacuumed and things are less cluttered than they were. So it's it's a step in the right direction. But it has helped me feel a little better. So <laughs> I recommend doing that. Sometimes it's okay to just tackle a small space at a time. Don't tell yourself that you have to do it all at once because that's how it never gets done, at least in my world. So this is my advice to all of you. And uh, my my uh, strange new take for this episode would be, um, well, I, you know, gosh, I don't even know if I have a strange new take for this episode, except for the fact that, wow, um, Lower Decks has totally surprised me again this whole season nothing has turned out the way i predicted it was going to turn out so you know what good on you lower decks you're keeping me guessing yeah 
Well, my strange new take is about the human body, is which is a very strange, strange thing. You know, like your tendons, if you don't use them, they lose flexibility and you've got to slowly teach them to be flexible again. You lose a little bit of your hearing and like your brain compensates for the lack of nerve signal by just creating noise. That's tinnitus, by the way. You give someone glasses that inverts the image coming into their eyes, their brain will actually, after a certain amount of time, compensate by creating an upside down image in their brain and basically giving them normal sight back. It's the human body is a very, very strange thing, especially when it comes to the nervous system. And for this episode, um, I was shocked by <laughs> kind of the, the reveals in this episode, like genuinely yeah. would not have seen them coming in a million miles. And the fact that they're kind of like linked, like Mariner's past is linked to Nick Locarno. Yep. And which is linked to the name of this ep the, of the entire series. I'm sure we'll go into that yep. in a second, but yeah, it's it's all uh it all comes full it's circle. All connected. <laughs> it really is. It really is. It's very strange. New take. Sorry. Just had to finish the name there. Okay, go ahead. My, my uh, strange new takes for life though still Star Trek. I recently played Star Trek Infinite which is the new Star Trek strategy game. And they basically just took the video game Stellaris. It's a strategy game. Copy and pasted it. It's kind of buggy. I still had fun, but I think that's because there was a certain nerdiness to getting to play Star Trek in that world. Uh, I hope they improve it, because right now I wouldn't really recommend it to someone unless <laughs> they love strategy and love Star Trek. Hmm. And then... My uh, uh, episode new take would be that uh, I, you know, they always are making fun of Starfleet and Star Trek and Lower Decks, but I really love the way they make fun of Starfleet in this one. There were some things that I was like, yep, been wondering that a long time and I'm glad they finally, they finally went there with it. Oh, I should also say I have another strange new take. This should have been called Star Wars Lower Decks. Okay, there you go. I said I'm, uh, you know what? I think that was not a uh, a accidental thing. I don't think so. It couldn't have been. It could not have been an accidental thing for how much it was in this episode. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, um beginning of this episode, we find out that Mariner has been basically putting her life at risk a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. Um and it's alarming her friends and her uh, senior officers, which include her mother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I thought maybe it wasn't as bad the last couple episodes. I couldn't remember, but I was like, no, I guess, I guess it, I guess she has kept doing it. But Yeah. I guess I was going to ask you all, if you all think that this is something that she, y'all saw coming. I didn't quite like, I think it was a little bit more like I could see the link, but I feel like it's been a few episodes since we encountered Mariner doing something crazy like this. Well, you know, I felt like, so the episode, the Ferengi, the woman they were on, were they on Ferenginar? Uh, yeah, they were on Ferenginar, right? When they were, when they were having the negotiations with, um, Ron right, and right, right. Lita. Um, so that one, the other ones didn't seem self-destructive in the actual self-destructive sense. They more seemed like self-sabotage mm -hmm. is how what I would have described what she was doing earlier in the season. But when we got to the Ferengi episode, it seemed to be a little more in the self-destructive vein, I felt. Um, 
But then it felt like they, I'm trying to remember what episode came after that, but I felt like they kind of, th- that storyline didn't get picked up. The episode they had last week was just kind of a drop in its own standalone story. Didn't necessarily tie into other stuff from the season so much, except for the fact that their friendships, you know, it was kind of like just showing how since they'd been promoted, they haven't done as much stuff together. So it was a time for them to reconnect. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, I didn't feel like it was part of the whole season arc in the same way. And I'm trying to think, was she just, was she acting self-destructive in the episode with um, Badgie? A little bit. Yeah. Cause she followed, she just blindly followed Rutherford onto the ship when he was going over to right, help with right, right. Badgie. So maybe a little bit, but then she regretted it the second she realized. You didn't have a plan. Badgie was like, <laughs> Yeah, I think you've convinced me that it wasn't quite as uh, random as I thought it was. And so mm-hmm. basically, the, the senior officers come up with a very safe mission, uh, fixing a comm buoy in some random uh, system, the Sherbel system, while the Cerritos itself goes off looking for Nick Lacarno. Which never in a million years, if you had told me which which character, guest actor do you expect, or guest character or whatever you expect to show up, I would have never expected Nick Locarno to make a reappearance given it's kind of like his embarrassing place in Star Trek history is basically a cut based on Paris. Well, and this was also one of those things I had to remind myself what where in the timeline Lower Decks takes place. Because when they had Seven of Nine, I was like, no, Seven of Nine is back in Starfleet. And I was like, oh, wait. Nope. This is before Picard, yep. so... Yeah, like, I think, like, a decade or so, at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it, it is consistent in the timeline, that Seven of Nine. Also, we now know that because of the same list that you're referencing that has Locarno, Seven of Nine, Beverly right. Crusher, and Thomas Riker on it, we now know that Thomas uh-huh. Riker survived the whole Dominion Maquis situation. It wasn't the Maquis, like, wiped out right. by the Dominion or something like that? Yes. I've, yes. Well, he, there's something. Have any of you read the Amzadi books? I have not. No. So, in Amzadi 2, I feel like that one takes place after um, after the Deep Space Nine episode where he steals the Defiant or whatever. So, he ends up in a, he does end up in a Dominion prison. So he's in a Dominion prison in that episode. Yeah. But I can't remember what else happened with him. So, yeah, yeah. The anyway. Maquis do get they do get wiped out though because of the Dominion. That's how he ends up in the Dominion prison. Yes. And that's but now he has survived. He survived. He has somehow, somehow survived. Mm-hmm. And, and somehow Thomas Riker returned. Anyone here get that reference? That he returned. Like from you mean from Star of course. Wars? Somehow Palpatine uh, returned. The, the, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was meme to oblivion. Yes, it was. Still <laughs> continues to be. Uh, all right. So, Nick Locarno, though, is is the focus of the Cerritos' mission. And they head off while while everyone except Rutherford goes off to fix the buoy. Uh, Rutherford and the Cerritos go off to find Nick Locarno to basically the Star Wars planet. Emily, correct? Yes. Yes. Which I didn't Absolutely. realize. When you said that, I was like... Uh, okay yes <laughs> so much i was like this is like star wars like anyway, well, then, they just went to star wars to design this planet well the other one too is like endor then 
Yeah. So let, let's because the bunker, the bunker that blew up, right? Yeah, it looks just like it. Exactly. Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> Thank you. So first of all, the planet is New Axton. It has like a little aperture that ships have to go to get through its energy field, much like the planet in Rogue One. It's it's controlled oh, by right. people that basically look like the Empire in their uniforms. Totally. That did seem. Yeah. And it basically is Tatooine when they get to the surface. Right. Uh, in full with Cantina with bounty and bounty hunters. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this is not an accident. No, I, th I think you've, you've completely convinced me that it was very, yeah, strategic. Yeah. So it's, it's very much a situation also where I think, Reed, you were the one who was referencing that they're making fun of Starfleet. A lot, yeah. Or, or critiquing it, you know. Oh, do you want me to go yeah, into that? Yeah, okay. I did. That was me saying. So, okay, I thought you were going to... No, I'm happy to get into it. There's so much of it. I love where they're like, what do you expect? Like, of course we went down in our uniforms to trick them because <laughs> I knew how they'd treat me. But there are so many episodes where you're like, why are you dressed in your uniform? They seem to only wear disguises if they're in the past and they don't want to mess up the timeline. Otherwise, they see nothing wrong with wearing their weird unisex uniform to whatever planet to talk to people, however. Uh, so I really, I was like, okay, good. But then there's even Mariner's, like, one of her central inner battles is around Starfleet. Because for something that's supposed to be about exploration and furthering diplomacy and union, they are fighting all the time. And they're functionally a military organization. It's such a strange thing. I was just talking the other day with Ashley about what even is it? Is it military? Is it science? Did they just decide to throw it all together? So I think there was a lot of that it was questioning. Yeah, 100%. And let me also put it this way. They made fun of Starfleet, but at the end of the day, we realized that it was intentional. Like, it's not like Freeman is a complete bumbling idiot. Right, I was glad for yeah. that. Yeah. Like, she knew what she was doing. No, she's making fun of it. She, she, yeah, the episode is having her make fun of it at the yeah, end. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. She's leaning into it so that, uh, what's his face from engineering, uh, the prince... <laughs> Billups is the one who is actually the the weird helmeted bounty hunter who actually gets all the information on Locarno. Um every time the locals like take a shine on hating on Freeman. So also the the information broker is basically modeled <laughs> after the Balak puppet from TOS, right? From Corbinite Remover? Corbinite Maneuver. I can't say those words together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Except, except uh, that was he's, he's not. Real. Yeah, he's real. He's got the little tiny <laughs> arms and legs. He's got organs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty hilarious. Um, oh, my I loved gosh. it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm always like, sometimes I worry when they have Freeman do things that seem stupid, and I'm glad when they end up redeeming it and making it so that she's not really you know like she has right. a plan all along anyway yeah but and that was a good one for that so basically this is the sh this is the b plot and it's funny mostly like not a lot of serious stuff happens in this plot 
Um, it's mostly just kind of the, the, the comic relief while we get the more serious side, which is our friends who are on the beacon get zapped up by a Klingon bird of prey that then, or the, the beacon gets attacked by a Klingon bird of prey and they destroy the shuttle that our lower deckers came on. And these guys in the nick of time zap themselves onto the Sherbal planet or Endor as we like to call it. <laughs> Uh, no Jawas yet, although I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, e Ewoks. Ewoks, yeah, yeah, sorry, Ewoks, yes, right. Jawas are the ones on Tatooine. <laughs> Ewoks are the ones that are the little teddy bears. Yes, you are correct. That's okay, this is a Star Trek Exactly, pattern. getting it right would actually be wrong on this podcast. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, so... You already have gotten too much right, the two of you. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah, this is from Rogue One. And it, yeah, 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 no, 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 no. So, okay. So these guys then confront Mariner and climb into a tree and somehow decide to trust her and not be like, oh, she's not, we can totally let our guards down. She's going to be all nice and compliant. <laughs> I don't know. They just haven't learned a whole lot. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But then, so that when she jumps down, does she start fighting with the Klingon right away? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, the Romulan. The, oh, the Romulan, that's right. And the, the Ferengi and, yeah. And then the, and, the and, Klingon, well, that's before they jump, go up the tree, right? Like, this is, like, because they, they first have the fight, then they go up the tree because they, they have to retreat. And then at night, the Klingon comes back and attacks her again. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And this is where she, this is Ma'a, the guy from, the boy, the Klingon Boimler, basically, from Wedge Dooge from last season and they have a fight but then the the sky starts raining glass which is pretty amazing for a uh, I, I thought that was a pretty funny idea yeah uh, and it has no honor yeah it has no honor and so they <laughs> stop the fight and ma turns into a klingon therapist that's right yeah that's <laughs> that exactly right weird. i mean boy Mariner's all like, let's fight, let's get this over with. And he's like, nah, there's not enough room here for a nice fight. Like, just chill out, lady. Like, we're going to fight later. Yeah, you, gotta, you want the right space for the right type of fight, you know? Right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But this is a moment for some pretty heavy character development on Mariner. Some of the most character development we've had for her since season one, in fact. Yeah. Right? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, I didn't see, so the, um, well, and it was also just kind of brilliant, the layers upon layers upon layers of references that we had, but um, it actually went deeper. I mean, I figured there was some, they were going to reveal some sort of deep reason to why Mariner has been so self-destructive or self-sabotaging, um, but it was kind of, uh, it was kind of nice that it ended up being about Cedo Jaxa. I just thought that was kind of, you know, fitting. Also, the fact that it was a Nick Locarno episode. Like, you find out Nick Locarno is a focus in the episode and then to have Jackson. So then I'm like, does that mean Mariner maybe was at... She probably was, like, right off camera, right? In the first yeah, duty. Yeah. <laughs> She's probably just, like, sitting uh, so <laughs> somewhere like right were, off camera. I feel like they were implying that. Even. Let's, yeah. So, so yeah, let's, like let's, get, let's get the, the chronology clear here, which is... 
So the first duty is chronologically the first time we meet Nick Locarno, Cito Jackson, mm-hmm. and that's where y'all are saying Mariners in the background because it happens at Starfleet Academy. This is where Wesley is part of the little group of cadets that do an illegal maneuver. Somebody dies. The first duty is to the truth. Uh, exactly. Sorry, anyway. Exactly, exactly. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Captain Picard. <laughs> okay, so I'm trying to remember that uh, one. It, yeah, I don't. It's that one's season, like season charge, right? Yeah, it's like season five. Yeah, I can't remember if it's five or six. Yeah, it's season five. And it's also where we meet Boothby, the the gardener at oh, Surfleet yeah. Academy. Um, and now, also important to state here for people who have not watched Voyager or TNG or to get them together, mm-hmm. Nick Locarno is played by Robert Duncan McNeil and is essentially Tom Paris. So you get what? He's like a, a really good pilot who doesn't play by the rules. Wow, what a different character they made for Voyager. Right. Um, but... One of the things that we, so people were talking about this on the mission log discord. And one of the things they were saying, so Robbie has said that um, he said, I mean, okay, the reason there are two different characters is because they didn't want to pay the writer who created the character of Nick Locarno for every episode of Voyager, because they would have been using a character that he created, but they still wanted to have Robbie be in the role. So they made a new character still played by Robbie, but Tom Paris now is who I've, that person is. Um, but but also someone who dropped out of Starfleet and... Um, Although not in the academy. Know, had Paris this, dropped... He was yeah, an officer who Par- went over to the Maquis. Yes. Yes, yes. So Paris Paris didn't... Paris did not drop out of the academy, but he did was involved in some sort of uh, flight accident thing that led to... I think... I can't remember if it led to the death of someone or not. But anyway... Similar backstory, except he did, he did graduate from the academy. So what Robbie says is the difference is that Nick Locarno had no remorse for what he did and just left Starfleet. I left the academy, left Starfleet, and was just done with Starfleet, but didn't really see that he had a role to play that was a negative role in what had happened. Whereas Tom Paris wasn't, that wasn't the kind of character Tom Paris was. Tom did have remorse and it did, it did have repercussions on his life. Because he did feel badly about that. Do we have a cat issue happening here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was trying to be all discreet and not have our listeners hear that that was happening. But here we are. Uh, I didn't take long enough to give my explanation. Yeah, apparently. Uh, cats were, were on my work desk that's over there. And they're like, the other day, one of my project leaders messaged me. and was like, hey, something ha- weird happened to our deck that we were using. And just like all the slides disappeared. And I was like, yeah, it's very strange. And then the next day, I came back to my computer and found some like random keys typed. And I heard a cat jump down right before I walked you, in. You know who did it. Yeah. <laughs> you found out. That we have lots of cat action on this podcast. You all can't see it because you're listening to us. But I'm also watching Reed's cat yeah. <laughs> as well. So I feel like him? I need to get Hermione in here. We can have a trifecta. Right? Can you hear him? Because he is purring so loud. Oh, I can't right hear him. Okay, good. So so get, getting back to our friends at the Academy. So Nick Locarno, I see, I don't by the there are some people who've put some doubt on the fact of whether they would actually have had to pay for the like every episode or whatever i i don't think that's I, i'm sure that's why they did it but there's there are some people who are like they didn't need to do that the other thing i'll say is that in a world in which empress whatever her face from discovery who committed literal genocide is redeemable like nick lacarno is redeemable y'all so like 
That's fair. That's true. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> so I think I think it's it's kind of interesting that that used to be something that Star Trek worried about, but they don't anymore. And so the other thing I'll say is so going on from the 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 timeline that we've discussed. So Tom Paris, not Tom Paris. Sorry, now I'm getting mixed up. Nick Lacarno <laughs> leaves Starfleet Academy. Cito <laughs> Jackson stays, uh, and so does Wesley, and so does. Mariner, mm-hmm. apparently, who wasn't part of the squad, but she's still around. And Mariner and Sito Jaxa become very close friends to the point where Mariner idolizes her. And Sito becomes kind of a model oh. cadet and becomes somebody that Mariner is really, like, impassioned about, like, following in her footsteps. Sito Jaxa goes off in the Dominion War. We see what... Oh, not even in the Dominion War. This is, like, pre-Dominion War. Pre-Dominion yeah. War, yeah. No, this is more Cardassian... The Borderlands conflict. Maki, Cardassians, uh, Bajorans, yeah. and she's yeah, basically yeah. roped into a pretty dicey spy mission where it's pretty certain that she's going to lose her life. There was some question about whether it actually happened. We never truly found out what happens in TNG. Although, you never know. We might find out someday that she just went off into some sort of like refugee camp or something and people just lost track of her. But either way, Mariner thinks she's passed. Also, we find out Mariner led some people in the Dominion War who got killed, leaving Mariner basically with a lot of guilt and other mental health issues that prevent her from wanting to be anything more than an ensign. Did we know that? We didn't know that before now, like at all, right? We'd seen seen Mariner on the USS Quito at DS9, but we hadn't like seen anything more. Like there was, this, this yeah. basically makes a lot of things that people are speculating into reality. Yeah, it seemed like a big reveal emotionally, but even just like from a yeah timeline. Yeah, I mean, we just we knew there was clearly something that was keeping her. That that was making her want to stay as an ensign, but. I always just kind of chalked it up to something with her mom or, you know, I always, I thought it was somehow going to be connected to that. Right. And it turns out she's just someone who got really badly, like, hurt by the events of a Mm -hmm. war and of conflict and is now kind of, that's been impacting her career ever since. When you think of people who have had a loved one who's died and then when they get to the point where they are about to be older than that person that they looked up to or, you know, and it's just you you struggle with the unfairness of that. And and, you know, that's really what we see happening with Mariner. She does not want to get past the point that this person she looked up to was. Yeah. And uh, the Klingon therapist, Ma, is like, basically, the war we fight is with ourselves. Like he, he, you know, pulls out some pretty heavy therapizing, mm-hmm. uh, for lack of a better word. I'm sure there are many better yeah. words, but we'll just use that one. And she listens. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 really quite, uh, you know, interesting that they are going in that direction with Klingons. I feel like they've been trying to slowly move them in that broader way and i like that lower decks is able to do it in a way that felt real and was still able to play it off for humor with the and then you can go study your plants you know uh, and she's like sometimes sometimes plants right yeah yeah also i 
I think it's important to realize that the only like she would not have ex- accepted any of this like stuff about herself from someone who she considered more Starfleet than her, right? Like someone who's more like right. Like, the fact that I think Ma is like this over adrenaline Klingon who's like you know cr- like crazed on like battle and courage and whatever, and he's telling her like, "Yo, like you're fighting with yourself." I think that's that's an important thing. Like I don't think she could have heard this from anyone in Starfleet. Yeah, no, exactly. And they've tried showing other people teaching her that, you know, obviously her mom, obviously her friends, but they also did it uh, with Ransom. You know, he's trying to make her into uh, an officer that, um, you know, he, he even takes it as a challenge to really develop her as an officer. And, and no one's quite been able to get to her in the same way. So I think it's a great point. Yeah, yeah. Uh Either way, I thought I thought it was some incredible work in the scenes with her and the Klingon. And mm-hmm. then they escape, uh, or they go looking for the relay station, and they find the all the crew members that we've seen in those like minor little cold opens, all fighting with each other in the clear. We've seen some of that before in the episode as well. But basically, mm-hmm. we realize like, oh wow, this planet is the planet where everybody who was abducted got dumped. Yeah. Yeah. And. I think, like, I don't remember uh, necessarily, but did y'all realize what happened with that bird of prey? Like, was that bird of prey, like, did, were the people who were the underlings in that cold open given control of that bird of prey? Like, is it those people who are, like, scheming in the beginning of the episode, the people who are in charge of it? He implies there was a mutiny. So I think that makes sense. Yeah, he said something about there being a mutiny. Right. So it's basically like what what I think has happened is all of the lower deckers that we've seen on these various ships plotting against their senior officers are the, have actually like Locarno has elevated them and given them the ships. That makes a ton of sense because you're right. I think the Orion said something very similar about uh, their lower deckers being lied to or something. In exactly. Them. Exactly. That That's yeah. totally what happens. Uh, I also just want to point out that one of the guys on the IKS Chata was uh, a character named T apostrophe I am to him. <laughs> so that's important. Good alien, right? Name. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Future name. <laughs> but so so so. Anyway, these all these officers that are on the Endor uh, Sherbel Four, sorry. Uh, are are now kind of fighting with each other. And then Mariner is able to, like, give a inspirational Picard-style speech that makes a... Very Starfleet speech. Starfleet speech yeah. that convince everybody <laughs> except the Orions. And then the Mistress of the Winter Constellation shows up. Another, you know... <laughs> so, so this episode is bringing together a lot of stuff that we've seen throughout the season. Yep, yep. Real quick with that, I loved that the Romulans like, we don't work with you, but we choose not to fight with you for now. You know, the, the deception of the Romulans. Totally, totally. Single that. note Romulans. Like, like Adam kept saying how like Lower Decks keeps making fun of how Star Trek, Star Trek aliens are just like single note. Like again. Yeah, just the duplicitous Romulan. Exactly. exactly. Also, by the way, we've now find out that Tillin... Ma'a and Mariner were all at the same 
place during Wedge Dooge. Like, we finally find that all three of them find out that they have all encountered each other before, basically. Um, so that's that's kind of an interesting thing. I wonder if they'll reference it next episode. But right as all of this is happening, Mariner gets zapped up by unknown ship. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the episode, we find out it's Nick Lacarno who's abducted her, which I did not realize. And has abducted all of these people. Right, right. Exactly, right? exactly. I yeah. I just, because, yeah, of course, Freeman and Rutherford and Billups and these guys and Chaxes uh, find out on the, on New Axton that they go into Nick Lacarno's lair and find, like, the blueprints of the ship that's been destroying all these other ships. Then Mariner meets Lacarno at the end on, on that ship explicitly. I didn't realize until just now that they knew each other, like we established in the chronology. So I didn't realize yeah. that while we were watching the episode. But of course they know each other. And that, and he said, Lacarno says, we're going to get into a lot of trouble together. And while that's happening, the lower deckers who are still on Endor break into the relay. They set it up and they get themselves beamed onto the Klingon ship where, they, where Ma takes his ship back. So that's where all the lower deckers are right now is on the Kling Klingon ship. That was my understanding of it, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't remember that part. I just remember the, the, the Nick Locarno and Mariner thing over, like, wiped away my memory of the very end of that episode. So. so the other thing to kind of establish here that's important with the chronology is Mariner that is much older than all of the other lower deckers in this mm -hmm. episode. Yeah, she's got to be like early 30s or something, right? Uh, 40s or 50s. You think so? No, because this is 80. This is what, 81? Is that when this is yeah, supposed to be? So. Or 80? So um, I think the um, end of Next Gen was like 67, right? Okay. So that's just like, what, 14 years so if she, like, say, because I would imagine maybe she was probably younger than Cedo, Jaxa. So maybe she was like, a, like, younger like Wesley. Like, maybe she was a first year or That's second right. year cadet. It's been 13 um, years since uh, 2368 mm -hmm. when the first duty happens. If you assume all these cadets were in their, like, early to mid-20s. That would put mm -hmm. put them at actually at Donnie Newsom's age, which is forty. Robert Duncan McLean's fifty eight. Wesley Crusher. Um, why am I forgetting his name now? He's fifty. Yeah. Uh, Phil Wheaton, Wheaton is fifty. So they're basically yeah. just having Donnie Newsom play a character closer to her age, while these other people are basically like de-aged a bit in a cartoon. Mostly because they are, because um, this is taking place right. in the past, exactly. right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Picard is more the current timeline, yeah. right? If we were to keep going forward from... Uh, well, and this is the interesting thing is like, does Wesley Crusher show up now? Because it's, you know, he was prominently involved in the whole Locarno thing. So uh -huh. it's going to be interesting to see um, how this pans out going forward. See, this would have been a great one to have had a ready room for, but um, they aren't doing the ready room right now. So. Yeah. But that would have been that would have been fun. And and we gotta say, like the other thing is that's important is to understand here is that even if Mariner is thirty eight and you know not quite as old as the actors who played the characters in the first Judy, um, she's that still makes her like a good thirteen years older than like Boimler, Tendi, Tillin, and Rutherford, mm -hmm. who are 
presumably fresh out of the academy. So they're probably... Which makes sense because we have always felt that Mariner was someone who's been an ensign for a really long time, right? Right, exactly. Really long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently. Huh. <laughs> 13 years. So <laughs> mm-hmm. Lynn, didn't they say she was 60? Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. Lynn is 60. I guess comparative age. Let's put it that way. <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah, you look good, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You are completely correct, Reed. Thanks for keeping me honest. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a good episode next week. Uh, we finally get to hear all of the, like, find out what's been happening this whole season, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm well, looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to this episode more than I've looked forward to any of the other episodes of Lower Decks. Lower Decks has been fine, but I just, I'm like, like this episode had me excited for what's going to come next week. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, it's got a, like a, you know, a, a arc plot. It's got some deep stuff with, um, mm-hmm. what's it called? Uh, character development. So it's going to be pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's give this episode a strange new rating. Which of you would like to stick your necks out and give it a rating? I can go first. Let me let me break the... I don't usually <laughs> do that. I think this one's going to be a 9 out of 10 for me. I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it did some really good things to the characters. It kind of gave us some pretty satisfying kind of loopbacks the star wars stuff was really well done and not like like it was over the top but it wasn't like hitting you over the head with it every time you right Right. i mean it's lower decks of course it's going to be over the top that's like par for the course but it was it wasn't like everyone was aware of it or something like that it was i I thought it was well done so yeah Yeah. nine out of ten for me yeah yeah i was gonna do 4.5 out of five so same i agree all the same reasons and i just really enjoyed the episode i just thought I was engaged the entire time. Totally. So. Gonna, I'm going to be a little lower. I'm going to give it a 3.5 uh, moopsie out of five uh, moopsies because, yeah, I liked it. Uh, I think I liked some other episodes of the season a little more. It wasn't that it was weak or anything. I really loved the character development. Um, yeah. But, yeah. We have to have some controversy on our episode. That's know, right. So. I tell you to leave, but we're about to finish. So yeah, go that's right. I'll get out of Might here. Might as well just stay I'll for the play credits. Star Trek Infinite while, while, <laughs> while I get off. <laughs> All right, Reed and Emily, thank you for joining me to talk about this episode. I was excited to talk about you guys, with you guys after I watched it because it was so cool. Like Nick Locarno, who the hell expected that? So thanks for making it. I know, it. I know. Yeah, thank thanks you. for Notch. Yeah, and, uh, thanks for Notch. Thanks, Notch. I don't know how to talk. <laughs> I'm thankful for Notch, too. There There you go. go. Okay, good. Uh, Bill and Adam and Rudy, whatever it is y'all are doing, wherever y'all are, I hope it's a great time. And uh, also thank you just to go up for recording our theme music. We always appreciate hearing you strum away the guitar. Thank you to our listeners who make time to listen to us every week. We appreciate you making the effort. And also uh, special thanks this week to Robert Duncan McNeil, who gets now the distinction of having to play two characters in the Star Trek universe that look exactly alike uh, and not like basically one abandoned character who got turned into a second character. They are like and I really hope he gets to play Tom Paris next week as well. (laughs) Alright everybody, see you next week. That would be awesome.